Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Ramon Newman about the benefits of the science of protection for leaders. Ramon Newman, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you, John. Great to be here. Yeah, it is a pleasure to be with you. I'm super excited to have a nice dialogue today. We're going to be talking about your recent book where you talk about and unpack this idea of the science of protection. So you're going to explain that to me and my listeners and then share you know, what you see as the benefits of the science of protection for leaders as we lead ourselves, as we lead teams and organizations. As we get started, I wanted to share Ramon's bio with everybody. Ramon Newman is co-founder and CEO of New Mavericks, a global leadership development consultancy based in Los Angeles, California. Over the last two decades, he's worked with top CEOs and executives globally, helping them have a greater capacity to lead while protecting themselves, their team, and their achievement and progress from excessive stress, negativity, and incoherence. His passion is helping leaders have a protected advantage in any market. I really love that. Uh, Super important conversation for us to have today. Anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of your background before we launch on in? Uh, so yeah, basically, you know how this all came about. Uh, I wasn't expecting to be doing this type of work uh, growing up in New, in New Zealand, Auckland, New Zealand. I had a typical New Zealand upbringing, playing a lot of sport, uh, especially rugby and cross country and track. And I ended up burning out as an athlete uh, in my late teens, early twenties. And I was kind of confused about that because I was doing all the effort, putting in all the training, had an Olympic gold medal winning coach who said to me, said, if you keep doing what you're doing, there's no reason why you can't go to the Olympics if you stay healthy. And unfortunately, uh, I didn't know how to stay healthy. Uh, I just knew how to kind of exert myself and uh, realize this value of protection. You know, back then, didn't really know how it was going to play out in my life uh, back then, but today. Uh, it's a very important topic uh, for leaders, and it's really the primary duty of any leader is to be able to protect themselves and the progress of those that they're leading. Excellent framing, you know, as we in background, as we get into the conversation today, maybe you can start by telling us about why you wrote the book um, and really the, the impetus for it and, and what you mean by this protection, uh, the science of protection for leaders. Sure. So the book really, we started actually working on the book about three years ago, and we weren't really sure what we were going to write about. We just know that we'd had this experience, my business partner and I, we both came from a background of being uh, competitive athletes, and then we became full-time meditating monks. So he was meditating full-time as a monk for 15 years. I did it for 10 years. And in that process of supporting that lifestyle, we actually decided that we wanted to be literally silent partners to business leaders. So we'd meditate eight hours a day, seven days a week. And then in our afternoons, we had free time. We'd get on the phone with business leaders and really help them debunk 
some of the stresses they were going through, give them more of that clarity and that awareness about the greater truth that really enables them to be triumphant. So we've been doing this basically for the last 20 years. Uh, the last, let's say, 13 years, we've been doing it more full-time when we left that monastic setting. I went to New York City and did an acting program for a couple of years to reintegrate with the world. And that was the time when kind of the global financial crisis was going on, 2007, 2008. And I was in the city and I was, I was noticing, you know, there's a lot more stress and, and pent-up energy that was going on because of the concern about the financial markets. And it really got me thinking, I went, how come these very intelligent, smart business leaders have caused a financial calamity for themselves and their businesses and the world? And it made me realize they had the same problem that I did as an athlete, that I was so focused on that outer development and performance and getting where I wanted to achieve uh, that I lost sight of that inner development that really allows you to be really in tune with what's evolutionary, what's supportive, what's going to have long-term success, not just short-term success. So it grew out of that, that, you know, we realized, you know, these leaders needed a deeper level of inner development so that they could accomplish as much as they want for as long as they want. And that's basically what protection is, is that when you have that coherence in your brain functioning, when you're not stressed, when you're not overcome by stresses inside yourself or outside of yourself, then you are able to accomplish as much as you want for as long as you want. So in terms of how the book came out, my business partner, he was on his uh, exercise cycle at home and he was listening to Tony Robbins talk about the science of achievement, and which is a really fantastic concept in terms of you know having focus, massive action and grace that support from your environment. And we thought that's great. That's definitely how achievement unfolds in its simplest form. But we thought people are achieving, but then we're having these, these problems and these issues that can come up. The achievement, you know, maybe for a moment and then they're not achieving. And then there's more problems. And, you know, I just heard yesterday coming uh, back from San Francisco on the plane, uh, I was reading something on LinkedIn. There's a young uh, entrepreneur in New Zealand. He'd uh, been very successful actually in his teenage years and into his 20s. And then he launched another project and it didn't do that great. It didn't really get the traction. And he got a lot of criticism from the media and like he was just a you know, fly-by-nighter. And that affected him so much that he committed suicide. And that is not a great thing, obviously. So it, it made me realize, yeah, great. You know, we want to accomplish and be fulfilled on an outer sense, but we also need to have that sense of, of fulfillment and an inner sense and that we're not just achieving to cover up some lack that we feel inside of ourselves. And so the whole essence of the science of protection is to really develop the leader from the inside, to develop their consciousness, where they are fulfilled and who they are and what they're doing. They're not so affected by people in situations and circumstances that want to maybe uh, detract from what they're doing and that they can achieve from a state of fulfillment. Because a lot of times, you know, we're trying to achieve to feel fulfilled. But fulfillment is really not something we achieve. It's something that we experience in ourselves and that we experience that fulfillment in who we are and our, our essence of our pure nature, which I got to experience as a full-time meditating monk, is really bliss. We are a, a bubble of joy and bliss. And sometimes we lose sight of that because we think it's coming from the outside, but it's already there innately. It's always going to be there but sometimes we lose track of it. Like I did as a competitive athlete, you know, trying to accomplish my goals, but losing uh, connection to that and then getting ill and, and very sick. Yeah. Thank you. I was so much. You said there 
a wonderful journey, a fascinating journey. I think we could have a very long conversation just really getting into uh, everything that went into your time as a meditating monk and and uh, the experiences there. Um, but I, I really like the lesson of really making sure that we are mindful and uh, whether you practice you know, meditation eight hours a day, or you, you practice other mindfulness practices and just your self-reflective and introspective, right? That is so vital in this hyper-competitive, super messy, uh, just chaotic world that we're in. And if, if we're constantly trying to achieve, uh, we, we may think we're trying to do it for ourselves, but often we're doing it for others. We're doing it to try to fulfill the expectations, you know, that we've, feel that are imposed upon us by others or society as a whole. Uh, and so achievement in and of itself probably isn't going to be that sustainable um, mm -hmm. kind of drive for us. So finding deeper meaning, deep, deeper purpose, more fulfillment in the type of work that we do in the interactions that we have, ultimately that's, that's the sustainable um, golden nugget uh, to, to help us to sustain our energy and our our commitment and our motivation when things get really hard because they will get really hard. That's just the world we live in and the life that we all live in the human condition. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that things getting hard is not to like punish us is to teach us to grow and become more of who we are and, you know, really be able to protect that inner fulfillment as the basis for achievement to be a natural byproduct of that. And then through the achievement, we experience out of fulfillment. And so we want both. We want that 200% value of fulfillment. And I think when we're in that state, uh, then things really flow. We, we, you know, naturally we attracted to the right things and, you know, things work out in a way that sometimes we can't even you know, think about or, or fathom. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as we talk about the protection piece, Maybe, you know, I, I referred to it a little bit in your introduction. Uh, you, you just referred to it a little bit a few minutes ago. Um, but what are the, the explicit elements that give us that protection as we try to develop ourselves uh, in our, you know, prospects for our career and, and our long-term uh, sustainable effort in the work that we do? Sure. So the essence of it is the development of your consciousness, of your awareness, because knowledge and truth is different in different states of consciousness so as you're developing that consciousness value of yourself and you start to see that actually show it in uh, brain science that your brain actually changes its functioning so what they've found is that world-class athletes business leaders and musicians when they're performing at their best they're making the best decisions they have a unique style of brain functioning and it's called global alpha coherence and what that means in layman's terms is that the mind is very settled and relaxed. At the same time, it's very awake and alert. So there's a coexistence of the silence value of yourself and the dynamic value of yourself at the same time. Now, when the brain's functioning in this global alpha coherent state with a lot of orderliness across the brain, all hemispheres of the brain, you see those bigger pictures for yourself. You see the finer details on how to fulfill those bigger pictures. So you're just more in tune with that evolutionary flow of how things should unfold. Because we think about it, nature's naturally evolving things. The sun comes up, the sun sets, the seasons come, the seasons go. Nature is extremely orderly. And it's our job to be in tune with that orderly intelligence that you know, allows the planets to go you know, around and not smash into each other. 
And so that's the level of, of development we want leaders to have. And that comes from experiencing that field of consciousness. That's not your conscious mind. It's not your subconscious mind, but it's consciousness itself. Uh, the analogy here is like, you know, we look at an iceberg. One quarter of that iceberg is above the ocean. And that's like the conscious mind. And then three quarters of that iceberg is below the ocean to support that conscious uh, reality of the iceberg above the ocean. And consciousness is the water that enables that iceberg to be formed in the first place. So that is a field of all possibilities. And when we're able to transcend that conscious mind, that subconscious mind, get down to that settled state of awareness, that pure state of awareness and consciousness, then we are more awake. We are more alert. We're more in tune with what's required and what is going on and be able to move things forward in a, in a very more, much more coherent and orderly way. Yeah. Uh, and, and the coherence that you've mentioned a couple of times really, really is so important because we get so fractured in our attention as we go throughout our day-to-day -day lives. And we have a lot of intention. I, I think most people, you know, they wake up in the morning thinking, you know, these are the things I want to accomplish. They have good motivation. They have, um, you know, good desires to go in and be impactful and, and be effective as leaders or effective with their teams but that intention isn't enough because you, then you get into this hectic workplace where all of a sudden you're just putting out fires all the time and you're, you're just reactive to all these different external pressures constantly. And you're not able to coherently, you know, interface with the world of work that, you know, you're involved in, uh, which, which means ultimately you're not going to be super productive. Uh, you're, you're going to run around, be running around like a chicken with your head cut off and ultimately uh, your team will suffer. You'll suffer the organization will suffer. Um, so how do we get past that? You know, th this, this kind of constant reactive mode that so many of us find ourselves in as we go throughout our day-to-day -day work. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, Bluer Than Indigo Leadership. The journey of becoming a truly remarkable leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue. What some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There's no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of our problems. The truth is great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So this is what we call getting into that leadership state, right? And there's a kind of process where we, we go into this leadership state when we have this orderliness and coherence between our amygdala, which gives us all these impulses, you know, of what's going on that may be threatening or maybe it's a great opportunity. And then our ability to metabolize and interpret that impulse 
and plan and structure and execute it. So this is a, a process that happens between the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex, which is like the CEO of the brain. So this front part of the brain, this 30% front part of the brain, which is what makes us unique as humans uh, and gives us the ability to decide in an orderly way that's, that's good for everybody ultimately. So if we're functioning too much from the amygdala, too much from those impulses that have come to us, they come to us very quickly and we don't have a well-developed prefrontal cortex because we're tired, we're stressed, we're fatigued, then we don't interpret those impulses correctly. And so a lot of people think, you know, the amygdala is that fight, flight, freeze part of the brain. And that's true on one level, but it's actually the lowest functioning of the amygdala. The highest functioning of the amygdala is vigilance. And that vigilance gets activated with the amygdala when you have that orderliness with the prefrontal cortex. There's a coherence between the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex. And this is what you know, great leaders, when they're in those stressful situations, when in those uh, situations where things are tight or there's a great opportunity that they've got to make a move on, then if that happens successfully, it means there was a successful functioning between their impulses, between their prefrontal cortex, the CEO of themselves, and their ability to, to capitalize or neutralize uh, that negativity. So for example, one of our clients, he was in a situation where you know, he was growing his company, he'd grown it to $1 billion when we started working with him. And then he saw an opportunity to grow the company from, it grew to 3 billion, uh, to 3 billion to 6 billion through reverse merger acquisition. And he knew he had to act on this quite quickly, otherwise, otherwise someone else would take this opportunity that he saw. And so he goes to his major shareholders and say, I'd like support to be able to make this uh, reverse merger acquisition happen. So his better performing smaller company acquiring uh, a bigger, less performing company. So his major shareholders go, no, we don't want to do this because it's going to ruin the culture. It's going to ruin the performance of the company. It's going to ruin the stock price. And he comes back to us and goes, guys, I know I have to do this, but I'm not getting support from my environment to do it. What do I do? And this is a common thing with leaders is they have a vision for something, but somehow either their team or their marketplace doesn't get it. And it's, it, it's something that they have to go deeply within on themselves. It's actually a sign is that, that you don't fully own it. And you don't fully see it yet, even though you, you've got an inkling for it. So we said to him, we said, look, you can either go and intellectually try and debate these major shareholders into seeing your way or we can just work on you really owning this reality more fully, more clearly inside of yourself and then going back to them. So he said, yeah, let's, that makes sense. Let's work on me. So we did that for three or four weeks. We were, we're helping him understand, you know, why he wanted to do this and, and really getting it like deeply embedded inside of him that once you see this reality so clearly, then it's more easily to manifest it outside of yourself. So we did that three, four weeks and said, okay, Mark, we think you're ready. Go on go and ask them again, go and talk to them again. So he did that. And every one of these major shareholders said, oh yeah, of course we should do this. Great. You know, and they're not really like understanding him more. They're really seeing that his energy was in that right place for, for them to support him. So that was the first obstacle overcome. The second obstacle to overcome was, you know, making the deal work. And that, you know, if you ever involved in mergers acquisitions, they're very complicated things usually. So long hours, tight timeframes, many multiple no-go hurdles, many possibilities for stress. And he said, despite all that, he felt very calm, very relaxed, and the deal fell into place. And this is what you know we should be experiencing when we know things are going to work out, is that 
we have that sense of settledness and calm. We just know, you know, we just have that belief. And it really comes, belief really comes from being. So the more you're able to be in that settled, coherent, global alpha state, as I described earlier, then you naturally believe, right? You believe in yourself, you believe in your abilities, you believe in your team to make it happen. And then out of that believing comes the becoming, you know, the reality that you want to experience. Yeah, well said, very beautiful. And as we think about these various components to the science of protection, um, I, I, I can't help but think about, you know, both the benefits to individual individuals like me who may lead a team uh, and how I go about, you know, being more effective, um, you know, making steady progress, you know, amidst the stress and the negativity and the potential incoherence for me as an individual, but also the importance for me to model that, I think, for my team. So if, if I want to achieve my potential, I need to help my team fulfill their potential. And they're not going to be able to fulfill their potential unless they can tap into these same types of notions. Um, can you talk a little bit more about how I might be able to, to get my team on board with this, this idea of, of the science of protection? Yeah, for sure. So it, it's kind of interesting that, you know, leadership development has been around 30, 40, 50 years. Um, and there've been some studies, you know, on it. And I think there's, you know, I've seen a lot of different numbers thrown around, but just good to go with a conservative number, about $46 billion is spent a year on developing leaders. And one an analyst at Harvard, she's a lecturer there, she said that based on the research, it hasn't really improved the human condition and, and the way the leaders are functioning. And I was going, okay, well, what are they, what are they doing? What are they missing? Uh, in this equation of, of developing leaders. And I realized that a lot of leadership development is focused on the process. Let's improve the process. And by improving the process, we'll improve the objectives uh, that we have. And that for sure can work. But if you're not improving the subject, the knower, the seer, the leader, to see better possibilities, to see a better process, then it it might be, you know, you might get a Band-Aid approach. Okay, we, we changed the process, hoping to get a better objective, but we didn't really change the awareness, the consciousness, the coherence of that leader to be able to see an even better way to do that process. And so I realized that it it's really comes down to heightening the subject. How do we improve the subject so that the subject has a better effect on the process, which has a better effect on the objectives? And that experience is, you know, in our science of protection, we unfold this in terms of, okay, how do we improve this subject? Well, we've got to somehow purify the stresses, the negativities, the fears, the, the pressures, the vices that they may have inside of themselves that is causing them not to be able to see a better reality. You know, so like the global financial crisis was basically a lot of leaders operating on a greed reflex, you know? Uh, you know, there's all sorts of vices, you know, out there, but greed is, is a big one. And so this greed reflex was so strong in leaders at that time that it created this. And so it's really purifying these, uh, these vices, these stresses that people have, that they're trying to make their life fulfilled, but maybe not in a way that's going to be, like you said earlier, sustainable. 
And so purification is very important. So it's being able to allow your people to work on themselves, you know, giving them half an hour a day or something like that, where they just get to, like you say, reflect and, and go deeper and purify some things and, and get to a deeper level of truth, uh, uh, deeper level of truth uh, that allows them to be more connected to themselves, right? Their pure intelligence, because ultimately we're all having the right thought at the right time. But are we settled enough to pick up on that? And so if we allow a bit of time, a little bit of more quiet time to meditate, reflect, and just get into that being state that uh, in neuroscience, they call it this global alpha coherence, then what you'll find is that a lot of these stresses just naturally fall away because coherence in the brain is far more powerful than incoherence. Incoherence and negativity and fear is inherently weak. And so as we strengthen ourselves and becoming more coherent, then naturally we keep this negativity at bay because this negativity is always going to be there. It's a part of life. But if we're coherent, uh, then that negativity can't get to us because it's incoherent and incoherence can't get into a field of coherence. They've even shown this in, in physics, uh, the Meissner effect, a coherent uh, magnet, uh, a superconductor will not allow negative incoherence forces to, to penetrate it. So that's the first step is, is, is that purification. So you can be in that coherent state. So you can be in a leadership state where you're able to neutralize and avert problems and dangers and threats before they arise. And you're able to see the possibilities as they arise. And in that leadership state, you have more capacity. You more, have more capacity to handle the opportunities, to handle uh, the problems that you're facing and then be able to take more of what we call spontaneous right action. You just know, okay, we've got to do this to neutralize this problem. We've got to do this to take advantage of this opportunity. And then the more spontaneous right action that we build up, then the more we have what we call this power of deserving. You know, we talk about teams or people winning great things. And at the end of the day, everyone just says they deserved it, right? Why did they deserve it? Because they took the you know, more spontaneous right actions than maybe others did. And so therefore they have this positive energy that naturally allows their, the environment to support them in fulfilling whatever they want to fulfill. Because ultimately yeah. we, we don't always, we don't always get what we want, but we definitely get what we deserve. Yeah. <laughs> well said. Ramon, it has been a pleasure. Um, we could go on and on and on, but I note the time I need to let you go here in a minute. Before we close, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your work, your team, uh, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Sure. So uh, you can find us at newmavericks.com. Uh, I'm also on LinkedIn under Ramon Newman. That's Ramon with two A's, R-A-A-M-O-N, Newman, N-E-W-M-A-N. And we also have a book called The Science of Protection. You can find that on Amazon. And those are the main ways. We have a, another website called thescienceofprotection.org. Uh, there you can get a leadership protection toolkit and that can really support you in having that value of protection uh, to yourself and your leadership and your team. And in terms of the, the, the final word, uh, I'm gonna put that back on you know, what you're doing in terms of human capital innovation. And I believe that this is the most powerful asset, you know, that we, we have and we will always have is our human capital and the ability to really invest in human capital is a, 
a return on investment that will always, always be there. You know, we can invest in things outside of ourselves and it may or may not work out. But if you're taking time to invest in your human capital and that of your team, then naturally there's going to be an ROI because it's the people that create better processes and better outcomes. Yeah, well said. Ramon, it's been a pleasure talking with you. I encourage listeners to reach out, to get connected, find out more about what you can do for them. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership. Ordinary, everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.